Hello and welcome to Impact Adventures. I'm your host, Steve Lamb, Director of Multimedia here at Investment News. Yesterday was our third annual ESG Summit and Film Festival. I had the wonderful opportunity to host the day and lead discussions for several panels, exploring a variety of ESG topics. But what I wanna talk about today is the Film Festival. This is a totally unique event in our industry and something that I really look forward to every year. We gather short documentaries from around the world that tell these really amazing stories of impact, ESG, and sustainability. The purpose of the festival is to bring our collective work in ESG to life, to let advisors and investors know that what they're doing is important and that it can make a difference. To that end, I'm bringing on someone very special today as our guest. He was instrumental in bringing the film festival to life. In fact, I'm pretty sure it was his idea in the first place. And he's a master storyteller in this industry. I first met him in 2011 when I shot a profile video for a young company at the time, Hightower. And eventually he brought me into the fold here at Investment News. We've shot hundreds of videos and spent thousands of hours together on the road from one conference to another and one advisor's office to the next. Today's guest is the one and only Matt Ackerman, Chief Content Officer at Integrated. Hello, Mr. Ackerman. How are you doing? Thank you for joining me on the podcast. Uh, it is so exciting to be on your podcast, to get to see you again, or at least get to talk to you. This is uh, this is exciting, my friend. Uh, I agree. It's been a long time since we chatted. A few texts here and there, mostly, how's your baseball team doing? How's my football team doing? Uh, I think the answer to that is poorly. Um, mm. So this is this is awesome. I'm glad you're here. So yesterday, Wednesday, December 1st, we had our third annual ESG Summit and Film Festival. And I wanted to have you on the podcast today because you and I co-founded that festival together when you mm -hmm. were with Investment News three years ago. And so I wanted to walk our audience through how that festival came into being your and mine history within ESG because neither of us started in this space. Like like many people in, in ESG, uh, we fell into it um, and kind of walk through that and then talk storytelling in our industry. So let's go way back, back into time to 2018 and a little documentary that we, that we made. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, the it is so funny because I, I kind of pull it back all the way, I guess, to 2017. It was it was the same day as the investment news Christmas party. So, you know, as with any Christmas party, there's not a lot of folks working and wanting to do any work that day. But um, Kevin, uh, who was one of our great salespeople there at the time, had a meeting with um, uh, Vanderbilt and Steve Destante. And he said, Matt, why don't you join me for this? He loves good, big ideas. Let's talk. So, they sat there for most of the meeting going through, you know, media kits and how much half page and quarter page and full page ads cost. And I probably was gazing out the window, not paying much attention. And uh, Steve Destante said to me, you don't look very interested. What do you think of all this? And I said, honestly, I don't think much of it. And he said, why? And I said, if you want to get attention to your firm, you want to be around important issues. Steve was passionate about the sustainable development goals, the United Nations. He was part of some initiatives around that. And I just suggested, what about doing a documentary? Now, please note, Steve Lamb, I, I am, I'm not lying when I say you and I had not done that before, right? We had not done a full documentary, at least together before. No, no, no. All of our work had been slightly smaller scale projects. Mm -hmm. We did documentary style 
work. Sure. Um, we live in a houseboat together. It, yeah, it was it was advisors. It was, you know, how is your, you know, a day in the life of an advisor, a profile on people who win our big awards, that kind of thing. Yeah. Nothing of this scale. So I, as I am one to do, kind of aimed really high and expected to be pulled down. And Steve Distante did not pull me down. He said, that's great. So we started talking about doing, looking at impact in a different way. I was really passionate and still am very passionate about ESG. I learned through this project about the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Steve Zante had a lot of connections in that space with other advisors, with the United Nations. And we started to cobble together some ideas around what this would look like. And one of the early ideas was, well, Plastic Bank is doing some amazing work in other countries, you know, helping to rid the uh, oceans of the world from plastic. And I was like, that sounds amazing. How can we showcase that? So we ended up on a phone call with the head of Plastic Bank. And as I do, I shot way high and said, oh, we're going to do this amazing documentary. Where are you guys? Where could we do something like that? And they said, we're in Haiti. How about you come to Haiti with us? And honestly, I guess it's one of those times, Steve, where I probably should have maybe aiming a little lower would have made sense. But man, didn't the idea of Haiti right from there for you too, didn't it sound like just the coolest way to showcase ESG would be to go right on the ground with people and see it in action? Absolutely. I mean, and I think we'll talk about this, but you can talk about sustainability in numbers, right? And mm -hmm. and show a chart and say, look, this is, this is the work that's being done by this fund or this company or whatever. But if you can go and meet the people whose lives are being affected by the work that somebody's doing or that a company's doing. And you can bring that to life through a video, through a podcast, through some great storytelling. That is going to be so much more powerful. And when you brought this to me, uh, first of all, I said, what, what's impact? At, uh, okay, cool. I guess we got to figure this out. Mm -hmm. Second, I was like, Haiti, yeah, let's go. This will be great. You know, we haven't <laughs> traveled internationally for our work. Uh, let's do it. This is going to be awesome. We, I was really, and we were really lucky at the time too, to be working with people like Mark Bruno and Suzanne Syracuse and some of the other amazing people at Investment News who kind of the mindset they had implanted in me from 2014, 2013 on was your ideas are crazy. Let's, but anything we can get some backing around, you get to kind of fly with. And that that sometimes I need reins. <laughs> sometimes I need somebody to pull me back. Steve, you were always really good at being the brakes when I was like the gas. So when the idea came and you didn't say no, I was like, we're going to do this. We're, mm -hmm. We are going to go to Haiti. Um, we are going to get the shots we need. We are <laughs> going to, um, you know, get, um, get all the paperwork we need. Um, I remember, you know, I, my wife was a little nervous at first because in the political climate in Haiti is always uh, tenuous. Uh, but uh, I felt I was able to convince her that this was a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was pretty intense run up. And I think just yeah. for our audience, you know, to take them back a step, this documentary, we wanted to kind of explain to advisors who hadn't heard about it, what is impact? What is ESG? And so, mm -hmm. yes, Haiti and showing Plastic Bank was part of it. Uh, yeah. And that was probably the, the most intense part of the production because of it was international it was in a place with like you said uh tenuous political climate um we had to get everyone that went immunized for uh, various diseases that are down there and prevalent um a lot of preparation went into it so that was kind of the standout part but we went all over the country to film we did um we did. where did we go we, we shot with hazel henderson down in florida 
Yes, that was fun uh, down there in St. Augustine. Uh, st still, I think the uh, the best uh, ice cream and waffle place I've ever been to down there, Cousteau's, that place was amazing. Um, no, That's she true. was such a, I mean, this is a woman who took Robert Kennedy up in a helicopter to explain the impact of air pollution on New York City. Like she was, she had uh, photos and pictures in her office with her with LBJ and Martin Luther King. I mean, the work that she's done and the legacy she had, it was like, we needed this voice in this because you're right. This wasn't just a story about Haiti. It was really a story about impact. And we wanted to trace impacts legacy backwards but we also wanted to show how impact was happening here in the United States too. So we went to North Carolina and shot with the amazing folks at, um, at the brewery at true, at true colors down there. That was such a great story too. Oh yeah. That was amazing. Um, true color. You know what? Let's come back to true colors. We're, we're doing what you and I love to do, which is <laughs> we're meandering like a ping pong game. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Outlines questions. Who needs those? Pshaw. Throw it out the window. Um, we will come back to True Colors in a minute because they're awesome. Um, to finish up kind of the Haiti portion of this, mm -hmm. that was we wound up filming all of this project in the spring and summer of 2018. And 2018, for anyone who doesn't quite remember, uh, was the rise of the Zika virus oh, yeah. in the kind of Caribbean, Central America, Latin America areas. I and my wife were thinking about growing our family. Um, and so I made the decision I shouldn't go. We don't want to risk that. So I wound up not going to Haiti, which I regretted in the sense that it would have been a really amazing opportunity and experience. But, you know, it's what it is. So I do remember the challenge of trying to direct that from <laughs> afar it, so when, when you have zero control. Right. So I, I remember we were traveling all over the country for other shoots and I spent hours and hours on these plane rides just writing notes for my camera guys who were going to go. And I think I wrote like 10 pages of direction and notes and inspiration and do this and do this. And when you're there, you have to feel this. And it was really kind of absurd, honestly. And if they read one page of it, I'd be amazed. It is. Um, it was so hard down there because from working with you for so long, it was it was always gas and brake where I would want to do 11 things and you would then get it down to here's the three important things we need to do. So now imagine flying for the most out there shoot you've ever had without somebody who's the brakes to bring you back. So I did, you do your best. We had an amazing crew there. Uh, Caleb and Matt were just did an amazing job. Um, you know, we were, we shot on something they called a beach, which was a landfill. Um, literally Caleb stepped into the landfill and ended up like we had to pull him back out of it. I mean, you would end up in areas where you would drive for a little bit and, you know, up a mountain, which it would take like three hours to go, probably what we would drive here, you know, would be uh, 10 minutes, but because their roads weren't fantastic or it was incredible shoot. But at the same time, you're trying to think about the end product. Did I get enough? Uh, did we get the interview we wanted here? Okay, this gentleman's speaking to us in Haitian. I don't know what he's saying. And we're relying on a, on a translator who's only giving me the Cliff Notes version of what he's saying. So you're then trying to ask a follow-up question. It definitely was um, exciting, but also a difficult shoot. And we talk about storytelling, something I'm not good at, and Steve is much better than I am for the audience's sake, I can say this, is you have an outline in your head. 
and I'm a dreamer who flies off on tangents. So it, we work really well together because of the fact that Steve can find the story and I can find these other pretty things around the edges of it. And so not having you with, also I ate some food I shouldn't have. And well, that's a whole GI story. That <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and based on my, uh, my troubles that I was suffering through yesterday, uh, you put it nicely on Facebook, <laughs> responding to a post that, what was it? You can't have ESG without GI issues. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well that, when we got back from, Katie, not to take us on one more tangent, but we had a shoot in Las Vegas. That was my most difficult shoot I've ever had to get through because I was literally living on like water and bread. And like, yeah, I was just, that weekend I got back from Haiti, I literally was crawled up on the bathroom floor. It was hard. Would I trade it for anything in the world? No, it was the, one of the greatest experiences of my life because to see impact on a ground level. Here's a company plastic bank that is turning garbage and plastic from the ocean into a currency for people to collect plastic and then turn it into money to light their homes, pay for power, send their kids to school. I mean, it is impact in action. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. So I'm glad you you brought that back to what plastic bank actually does um, instead of just our uh, absurd stories from the road. But <laughs> On that note, one of the other segments in the documentary, and you just mentioned it, was the brewery in North Carolina called True Colors. This is a company that we've learned about through this documentary, and ever since then, we've been following them. Uh, we've done some other videos with them. We had um, George Taylor on the podcast earlier for one of the SDG episodes. Um, so I'm not going to go too deep on them, but basically they're a brewery for profit that aims to end gang violence by bringing gang members together at a table, providing economic opportunities and conversations to end violence. And since they started operations in Wilmington, North Carolina, gang-related violence has dropped uh, a tremendous amount. Um, and so it seems to be working. And just about a month ago, they actually launched their first beer in the North Carolina markets, I believe in the DC markets. Uh, and their their plan is to expand nationally as quickly as possible, which is great. I love beer, so I'm hoping I can get it on my shelves here in Connecticut soon. But but that was a, that was another incredible experience to see impact in action. Where you interviewed a lot of these gang members who grew up with single parents, who've watched friends get killed, who have spent time in jail. There was one person who had killed someone, had spent you know a number of years in jail and been released, and to hear them describe how this company has given them a new lease on life was really amazing. And it just brought home the idea that the work that people in sustainable investing do, it matters. It has a real impact. I mean, we got introduced to that company again by Steve Destante and the shoot when we went down there was incredibly impactful for me um, and for this entire uh, production. It's interesting because it happened, like you said, in 2018. It happens a couple of years before a lot of the Black Lives Matter movements. Um, and I guess from that shoot, I, I got a sense of where the country was heading to, as you know, and, and what the climate was like, because we sat across the table as humans having conversations with real people and growing to not just um, hear them, but to really listen and to understand you know, we're living a very different life than, than they, what they have to deal with on a daily basis. 
know, and these were incredibly thoughtful and intelligent people. When we put together the documentary, we went back to them and said, we need music. And they gave us a, a track that we ended up using in the documentary, which I was so proud of to see us kind of take it full circle because again, we were really listening to what they were saying. It wasn't just, okay, I'm coming to do an interview. I'm packing up the van and we're going home. Um, we really, and they were just, just really very interesting folks. George Taylor is a great leader and they're seeing real impact happen. And the same thing in Haiti, it's like taking impact away from just, um, you know, corporate speak and, and, you know, another ETF with, uh, you know, greenwashing in it mm -hmm. and really seeing the impact at the ground level. And that's what we wanted to do from the beginning. Now, of course, the problem, Steve, was we came back and we had all of this stuff. And I can remember, as I often do, did at the time, and I still do with every video project I do, whether it's for integrated partners or even the one I'm doing now with my town, um, I have a whole bunch of stuff and then I hand it to you, a smart editor and say, here, make this into something. <laughs> it, this was one of the first projects, Steve, where you came back to me and said, I can't just make this into something. We have to sit together and find the story here. It can't just be plop, plop. You know, we have to, we have to write now. We have to really create and storytell. Like storytelling doesn't stop with the shooting and this is, you know, Steve, how many, how long did it take for me to learn this with you? Probably a really long time, but it really, there's a whole, there's a process here. And it's, mm -hmm. and it's something that I admire you for is being able to kind of find that thread. Yeah, we, uh, we had a lot of footage. I mean, we shot five or six different locations. And for the audience, this was meant to be a 10 or 20 minute documentary. So this is not a feature that we're talking about. This is, mm -hmm. this is internet digestible, conference digestible. This is not a feature, although you could easily do a feature about each one of these stories. Mm -hmm. So we had we had 20 hours, 30 hours of footage probably to wade through. Um, and of course, uh, <laughs> given our lives uh, of, you know, conference, 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 we did a lot of this at conferences. So I remember we do an interview. I would hop on my laptop, make some edits, send those to my editor, pop over, shoot another interview, pop back to my laptop, and just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Um, but we got it done. We showed it at the United Nations at uh, an ESG summit that was happening there on September 11th uh, in 2018, which, I mean, being at the UN in general for folks who haven't been there, is is kind of a mind trip to walk through those halls yeah. to, to know who's been there what they've accomplished what they're trying to accomplish and to feel like you're one tiny 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 part of that is really humbling the un piece of this again steve destante connection to a guy named will kennedy at the united nations who it was like well what do you think if we showed this here what if we showed in the general assembly hall, like every piece of like how that came together, it, 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 it all connects to the film festival because mm -hmm. we never just wanted this to be a one-off we wanted, and we had to change a lot of minds at the publication because there were people there at the time that felt ESG was just the flavor of the month. And, um, you know, I would sit in meetings and argue with these people. And these are very smart people that I really admire and I like, uh, and I loved arguing with. And it was, you know, we, you'd sit there and they'd be against it. And so I'd always know if we get the UN involved, they're not going to be able to argue with us anymore. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I can remember when we got the documentary done in 2018, it ran on September 11th. I think it was December of that year, you, myself, uh, Audrey, uh, we sat at a planning meeting talking about the next year. Well, how do we dial this up from here? Mm -hmm. What's the next thing we can do? Um, how can we raise this to the next level? And I think we said, what about a film festival? And what if we did it at the United Nations? <laughs> and um, I think none of us, I, listen, I, I, I'm going to be very honest. I kind of was like, I think we can do this. But um, something that I was really fortunate at at Investment News was I was, we were, I was surrounded by you and Audrey, who kind of always were like, go do it, make it happen. You know, mm -hmm. even though, like I said, I was the gas and Steve was the brakes. He, I think often it was like, hey, if you can fly, we're going to make it happen. And like, I've, I don't have a lot of, you know, I'm 46 years old. Um, I've worked at a lot of different publications, a lot of places. And I was really fortunate at that point in my life to be surrounded by amazing people that were like, let's make it happen. And that's, that's a blessing. And I really thank myself. Thank you for letting, helping make that happen. Yeah, of course. So yeah, you know, we decided, hey, let's try and make a film festival. And it took a year to get that put together. We uh, put it on in uh, at the same time as our ESG summit, the first mm -hmm. uh, summit that Investment News has held around ESG. So it was a combo event. We held the festival in a little theater in Manhattan. We got submissions from around the world. It was 600 and some, I think that we got and we screened through those. I think you did most of the screening the first year. Let's be honest. A lot of it was I screened out anything that that was not even close and then handed Steve back a good 50, I would say, that were at least in the ballpark. And mm -hmm. then you went through to that 50 and got us down to, I'm going to say 20. Mm -hmm. And then we went to the judging process. But like, so when I think about the heavy lifting of that, I think you did most of the heavy lifting. Me, it was like, not even close, not even close, not even close. Like I, I can remember it was like, <laughs> it's a lot of that. Here's the thing with when you submit for film festivals with, with any of these things, there's people that must just, okay, there's a submission. It's free. I'm going to push everything mm -hmm, in that mm -hmm, I can possibly mm -hmm. push in. And you're right. We've got 600 plus. So it was fun to tell people in the industry, oh, we've got 600 plus submissions. Meanwhile, in my head, I'm like, yeah, but some of these are just like that. We would get things that were crazy. We have, there was an animated music video about like meatballs or something. <laughs> yes. And you know, that's, that's not what we're trying to show. <laughs> um, in the <laughs> last two years, since, since we've been virtual and with, with COVID, it's a lot of very depressed uh, people working through their emotions via film, <laughs> which, you know, good for them. That's great. Mm -hmm. But we, in this, festival looking at ESG and impact, we don't need a, a visual trance on how one man finds love through his window uh, <laughs> at, with the girl in the next apartment building during a pandemic. Like that doesn't help us. Um, and you know, hundreds of those. So I would say this about that first festival and, and I'm, I'm so anxious to have it be back in person someday was I think even until the day before, you and I had doubts about, yeah. will anyone show up? Because people in our industry, there's a lot of conferences already. It's the holidays. They want to wind down from work. Will this work? And man, that it was a small theater, but it was standing room only. And when the mm -hmm. first film, when the lights went down and the first film played, man, that atmosphere was electric. Oh, people gosh. who were there were so into it. 
and it was something we were so proud of. Michelle was there. Marissa was there. My sister came. Like it was something we were legitimately proud of. Now, listen, I'm proud of a lot of things we were able to shoot and do. I mean, everything from going to Montana and shooting practice makeover and a lot of the other projects we did. I'm proud of them. I mean, you know, one of the last things I showed my mother before she passed away was the first cut we did of the first season of practice makeover. Mm. So I'm proud of so many things we've worked on together, but to be in that theater, to have our family there, to be able to showcase this and to believe that we could be part of the change in the world. The next day, the, the summit's at the United Nations. And I know there was tons of hoops to jump through and it was, it was hard and it was arduous, but to me, it puts you on the map when you can say, not only are we doing this as investment news, but we are doing it with the United Nations here. That's, I mean, that was, that was amazing. So the film festival was about storytelling. It was about saying, hey, it's all well and good to talk about ESG, but to see how ESG can change the world, that that is when you start to really get people excited about things. Like, listen, there's a lot of talking head videos, a lot of talking head videos that we've produced mm -hmm. out there in the market, but those films, they really added the show to the tell. And if there's anything I've learned from Mr. Steve Lamb, it's that you've got to have some show to the tell or otherwise it's just easy to tune out and become background noise. Yeah, you're so right about storytelling. And let's transition away from uh, the things that we've done to storytelling in our industry, especially with ESG. I guess just big picture, why is storytelling so important? We're, we're a data and numbers industry, so who cares about storytelling? Man, I, I was saying to somebody the other day, it's like when you create content, you're not competing against the other media publications. You're not competing against um, the other financial advisor down the road. You're competing against every cat video on the internet. Attention is limited. You've got to grab someone and like really make them pay attention to, to your story. Um, and, and what makes you different? What makes you stand out? What, why, why should they give you their time, whether it's five minutes or five hours to this moment and to your story? So you have to get their attention. So storytelling is about highlighting, you know, the most important thing in the best light possible and everything matters. Like some people say to me, well, I can film on a freaking iPhone. Why wouldn't I just use an iPhone here to, to film this and make, and, and, you know, I can, I can say it, it'll be fine. Uh, fine. Isn't good enough. Like let's mm -hmm. tell stories, let's show stories in such a way that, you know, you're impacted by it, not to overuse the word impact, but you want people to watch the story in Haiti and be pulled in. You want them to see the, the former gang members and gang members in, in North Carolina and, and you want them to be pulled in. You want to pull them into such a story that they can't, you know, look at their phone and and check the basketball scores. You you want to keep their attention. So in this industry is numbers and and data points, but what it is inside too is people, people that need this financial planning in order to you know thrive for a long time. I always think of it, and and what I always tell folks is that. Um, because investment news is, is historically, it's a written publication, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, multimedia, video, podcasts, kind of a new medium for us. Um, not so much anymore, but it's relatively new. And I always tell people that what's different about a video or a podcast is that, uh, and, and for the audience, my background is video and film. So that's, that's kind of where I always go to first, but is that you can bring these things to life. 
And you just can't do that in the same way in print. And so I always feel like there are all kinds of stories out there in our industry. Some of them are, you know, why is my firm great? And why should you as, a, as an investor come to me, the advisor? And that's great. I mean, that's important. Like firms need to market themselves. It's a, it's a really important part of their business. You know, can you mention, before we started recording, you mentioned uh, someone that you had spoke to who had a podcast and it was, Oh gosh. Can you, can you tell that story? I'm in a, in a mastermind group of podcasters. And you know, what I'm amazed at is that to me, I can't imagine doing a podcast. That's not interviews. It's not people talking to each other and having a, a dialogue, but there are podcasts out there that I'm learning about where it, it, a gentleman literally is giving like a, a calendar of what's going on in uh, his practice. Well, we're having a, um, you know, our annual chicken dinner at the, uh, at the local YMCA. And I'm just like, who's listening to that? I mean, like I said, getting people's attention is everything. Keeping that attention is even harder, you know? So you've got to place that show and tell game. You've got to tell stories that people are going to want to engage with. You know, I, I come, I, Steve, you know, I, I come with way too many ideas sometimes, but I'm always playing with ideas like, Oh, wouldn't it be interesting to do a narrative podcast where we show some of these stories in action and, you know, really add some grit to it. You know, that the, the sounds of Haiti too, wouldn't that be interesting in a, in a podcast? Like to me, it's, you've got to have that kind of things like you said to bring this all to life. Mm -hmm. That's, that's what you got to do is bring the, if the, even if the story is, is, Hey, my firm is great. Well, tell me why, what makes it great? What makes it different? You know, we were doing a shoot in Colorado where it was a father and daughter practice. And they were like, well, what makes us different is this multi-generational approach. I was like, great. So we opened the video with them having dinner with their whole family and they're in this log cabin in Denver. And, you know, it gives us, it, it makes it more intimate. It makes you lean in when you can do something different. And, you know, that's honestly one of the things that when I joined Integrated, as I said, I was like, we've got to storytell in a way that makes you pay attention. And that goes for whether it's written word or podcast or video, it's, you got to make people pay attention. Yeah, and I love that you bring up uh, that story about the the pair in Colorado because mm -hmm. what you did there, and I really don't like this word, but everyone in the business uses it, you humanize them. Mm -hmm. And I think for advisors out there, if you take one thing away from this episode of the podcast, besides check out the films, the ESG films, because they're pretty awesome, they'll be on our website in a day or two, is that A, you need to tell stories to either build your business, build your own personal brand, get your story out there, but it can't, you, you had a quote and I'm just gonna say it. So this is Matt's quote. Uh, and he mentioned it before we started recording, talking about how great you are is not storytelling. So that's not what you wanna do. So if you're making a marketing piece for your firm, you don't go out there and say, I've got a billion dollars under assets under management. I've been doing this for 35 years. I've got eight designations, rah, 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 look at me. No one. No client out there gives a hoot about that. But if you say, here's a video of me and my family together eating dinner, uh, here's a video of me, whatever hobby you are, maybe you're an outdoorsman, here's mm -hmm. me doing this, or maybe you're a sailor, here's me sailing, here's me competing, I'm raising my, my daughter to be a junior sailor, and we're competing on Long Island Sound, whatever, whatever it is. All of a sudden, your clients are gonna go, wow, this is a human being, right? Make it this is an interesting person, right? This is, I mean, if you just, it's so simple, just look at HGTV 
Who wants to watch a show about houses? Houses don't do anything. They just sit there. <laughs> that channel is so popular. It's ridiculous. And why? Because it's not about, yeah, it's about the houses and who look at this property and open floor concept. It's about all the people. I mean, what's the what's the show that you love that we stopped in Waco for? Uh, the people that that renovate homes. Oh, that was that Magnolia Farms. It was Magnolia. Chip and Jojo Games. There we, we go. The Chip we, and yeah. Why do people <laughs> like that? Yeah, they do amazing work, and it's cool to see the transformation and in and, and all that. But it's because they spend so much of that show looking at the people. Oh yeah. You get to know them, and it's you demo care day. about them as characters. It's demo and it's day. It's always pretty, and that's. I think that's the other thing because you and I have always run up against this in this industry is no one is willing to show the warts. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I get that, but when you show the warts, you become real mm-hmm. and people will respect you and they will like you for that. So my new thing I'd love to do with our advisors at Immigrated is that opportunity to showcase um, you know, a little bit, not even just the warts because they don't want to and they, they want to be able to still say, my practice is great because, okay, but let me put a little bit of tinsel on that tree. And let me shoot, we were in Washington state and we shot the sound there. And, you know, the, we did a drone shot as you flew through and, you know, let's put a little bit of tinsel on it so that people have something else they remember. So they come to you in your meeting and they're going to say, wow, that, that was a beautiful area down by the, the sound down there. Can we go check it out? Like his office is a block away from that. Well, that's amazing. At the end of the day, we always try to, you got to find a hook. Right. If it goes back to music, you got to have a hook to your song because everything else you want people humming it in their head when they're with you. I mean, think about it. We, we don't in a houseboat, live in a houseboat with an advisor for three days. You and I, we, I dress in camouflage in practice makeover. There was a lot of projects where we knew, Hey, this piece is not working out. It's not Great. It's a little boring. What can we do to add tinsel to this tree? I can remember seasons of practice makeover where he came to me. He's like, there's not much of a story. There's some pretty shots of Chicago, Matt, but there's not much of a story here. What are we going to do to make it better? And it's like, we, you always had a way of finding ways to make things look better, even when the story itself was a little humdrum. Yeah. Well, Matt, I think we ought to wrap it up here pretty soon. No um, I guess, you know, let's give our audience like one last kind of big picture takeaway. So what what should advisors learn from this? You and I have been telling stories, mm-hmm. uh, especially visually, you know, video and, and now more recently through podcasts. Mm-hmm. But for an advisor out there running their practice, what should they take away from this? I think you have to be willing to take chances. You have to be willing to put yourself out there, even when it feels like the easy route, the safe route over here is the status quo is good enough. I mean, wouldn't you like to be the best? Wouldn't you like to kind of throw yourself out there and try something new? Sometimes it requires you to lean forward in a meeting when the answer of, yep, buy that quarter page ad is good enough. When, hey, let's go create a documentary is the scary option. Let's go to Haiti when Zika's on the rise is a scary option. Let's call the United Nations when everybody else in this publication is telling you, just be quiet. It doesn't matter. You know, I, I tell people all the time, like, you know, turn, feel, you have to have the uh, guts to turn yourself up to 11 sometimes. And, you know, that, that's when I think we, we get the best and most original stuff. Sometimes you fall on your face, sometimes you fail, but sometimes you get to lead the way and end up with the lights going out at a film festival with one of, with one of your closest friends at your side. And you've made this 
work and that satisfaction makes all the chances worth it. Thanks to Matt Ackerman of Integrated for taking a trip down memory lane with me today. And as always, a warm and special thanks to my amazing editor, Angelica Hester. Please follow Impact Adventures on Spotify, subscribe on Apple, and leave a review. I'd love your feedback. I want to know what you like and what you think needs improving. If you know of an Impact story that I need to tell, please send it my way. I'm on Instagram at thelamco or tweet me at slimslam. My email is podcast at investmentnews.com. As always, folks, please remember, we get just one life, and it is a wild adventure, so you might as well make an impact.